Good morning. I want to begin with a reminder this morning. You are known and loved by God. God is pleased with you, who you are. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. He delights in who you are and who he created you to be. He's delighted with you. And this is a very good day. I'm Dave Bartlett. I'm actually standing in for Enrique Ochoa, who is going to come. Uh, he's been a Nazareth youth director, and he's at the Western Home. He was going to come and teach today, but uh, another commitment got in the way of that. So I actually took his outline and have made it my own from the book of John. So uh, I'm here, and uh, isn't this a great day? I mean, the whole month, isn't it amazing, like how opened up things are? I had someone in the hallway out here say, hey, uh, first time here without masks. And uh, just uh, a really good, my wife and I, our family, we had a family gathering on Thursday night, and then uh, we've been at track meets and soccer games and concerts and weddings. There's a lot going on. And this is week three of a new, important five-week series called Who is Jesus? Have you ever noticed in a public setting, at a civic club or out in public, you can talk about God all day and people don't get uncomfortable? But name Jesus, and people get a little more uncomfortable. And do you know why that is? Because if you name God, I can give that my own definition. God can be a mother or a father in heaven. He can be an impersonal creator. He can be the force, right? But if you name Jesus, it's more specific. It's less mystical. He actually was a person who lived, who had a life for 33 years, um, he claimed to be God's only son. He did miracles. He was killed on a cross. His body was put in a grave. And it is said that he came back to life. And those of us who follow him believe it's true. So when you name Jesus, it's more specific. And it can cause more anxiety in people. Is he alive or isn't he? Is he in heaven or isn't he? Is his spirit here or is it not? I've given a youth ministry talk, you know, for years called uh, The Only Choices Are Jesus Liar, Lunatic, or Lord God. Those are your only choices. Like, you can't say he was a good man and a good teacher. No, you can't say that. The reason you can't say that is because he stood up and he said, I am God. So, either he was uh, a liar because he knew he was not God, but he said he was God, and that's a liar. Or he's a lunatic. It's like, I'm God, and he thinks he's God, but he's not, like I'm a cabbage or something. <laughs> he's a lunatic, or in fact, he said, I am God, and he was God. And then we need to bow our knee to him and say, Lord God, Lord God. So this morning, uh, this is a very important month of series, who is Jesus? I remember Jean Gedlecki, who's in the room somewhere. She's our, one of our Route 55 leaders, and uh, Jean was coming to faith carefully years ago. She was not a Christian. She was not a follower of Jesus, and she was coming to faith. And if you know Jean, she's real organized. She's real serious. She likes to have fun. But I remember the first time she came into my office with a page and a half typewritten of these questions that she had about coming to faith. And so we met two or three or four times. I talked to Jean in the lobby a minute ago to be sure I had the story right. Uh, uh, we met uh, two or three or four times. 
And uh, then all of a sudden, and we're answering questions, we're talking about stuff, we're opening the Bible. And then one time she comes in, she goes, Dave, it's really not about these questions, is it? It's about Jesus. Is he who he said he was? Ah, yes. Now, Jean has come to faith and has given her life in service to Christ and his church. It's a beautiful thing. So what I want to say this morning is quite simple about Jesus. Jesus is the son of God who invites us into a new way of living. We have a slide on this. He invites us into a new way of living. And I just want to lift up three of these ways. One, serving with wet feet. I'll explain that in a minute. Surrendering our assets and our liabilities and staying connected to him. And this all comes directly out of the Gospel of John. I'm going to start with John 13, 1. It was just, uh, yeah, right here. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is the context of the whole message this morning. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world. Have you ever noticed if you've been with someone in their final hours, have you ever noticed how important those communications are? I did a funeral for Don Fry Monday of this week. His, his wife, Alda, and uh, his girls are, are here this morning. I, don't, I can't see you. I don't know where you are. But one of the things that struck me about Don Fry's final days was he was in a hospital room, in their, he was in a hospital bed, in their living room, looking out their picture window. And the girls, and Alda, and his grandchildren came, and those were very, very important moments. They could say those things that need to be said. So that's the context this morning. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And then it says, he was going to communicate them and love them to the end. So he got up. So what did he do? So like Don in his hospital bed, and he says, I love you. I care about you. One day we'll be together. So Jesus, what did he do? He got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Wait, he's in his final moments? And he's going to take off his robe and he's going to wash dirty, smelly, grimy feet? And then there's something else that happens a couple verses later. Verse 7, Jesus says this. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Are there moments like that in your life? Are there moments that like you don't understand the power of them right now while they're happening? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey guys, this is a really big deal, but you're not going to get it right now. I've had lots of times like that. Um, You stand in front of a church and you pledge to be married. And you go, you think you know what it means. You think you know 
what's going to be happening and what this is going to cost and the benefits. You think you know it all, and you don't have any clue. And you look back at that time, and you go, that was a bigger moment than I ever dreamed. Or you hold your first baby, and you think you know what it means. And dads, you're especially vulnerable for this one. You think you know what it means, and you have no clue. No clue. Uh, I did uh, Ethan Vanderweel's wedding a week or so ago. And his dad, Kurt Vanderweel, who uh, is one of our teachers, and uh, he has meant a ton to our family. Even when we had our tragedy, Kurt was the one we chose to speak at the funeral. Kurt wrote me this message. Dave, when we met with you 30 years ago in our little college apartment, no one could have written the script of what was to come. Jesus is saying, hey guys, this is a big moment, but you're not going to get how big it was for years to come. We uh, had a family picture taken uh, with my mom and my brothers and our wives uh, one Thanksgiving four years ago. And we didn't think anything of it. We just took it. Well, that's the last family picture that we have with my mom. We didn't know at the time. Now, look at this, verse 14. Look at what Jesus says now. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus says, see this message in my final moments? Serving you with wet feet? And uh, here's the deal. Um, feet were really nasty and dirty, and uh, to bend down and wash them was an act of servanthood. And Jesus is saying, if you're a follower of mine... Whether you're a CEO or a manager or a business owner or a mom or a dad or a coach, you are to serve those under you. You are to serve them. You're not to boss them. Jesus had every right to boss people. He was the son of God. What did he do? He took off his robe. He washed their feet. That's how we're to live. He invites us to live that way. And here's what I love about younger generations middle schoolers, high schoolers, college people, they are into this. They actually get that better than my generation ever did. They get that we are to serve people. We exist on this planet to love others. Uh, they've started more nonprofits. They've raised more money. They collect cans and bottles. And I mean, we have our uh, recycling center out here because of college kids who wanted to do it. Let's get going. Let's be in the church. Now, here's the challenge for all of us, especially the next generations. We can't go out and serve in a way that feels good to us. We have to go out in a way that serves, actually serves people. Right? Um, that's the wet feet part. We go out and serve realizing that first our feet were washed by the Savior. We go out and serve because of what he first did for us. Nobody will outserve God. And we go out and serve as kind of a payback, a pay it forward, after we realize what God does. And that keeps us from being so um, 
uppity. We serve in that way. I, I remember when we were in Florida and a church. We, we, uh, this week was the sixth anniversary, uh, June 10th, sixth anniversary of the loss of it. And our family gathered and we told stories again. And we, uh, we talked about uh, how the church there and some off-duty highway patrolmen really, really served us. And I remember the pastor calling Jeff Mickey and then getting a hold of me and saying, Ken, is it all right if we serve the church? And you know my first response and Jeff's first response? We don't know. Are you going to serve them so you feel good? Are you going to serve them in a way that actually helps? And every mission trip we take now in this church, we ask that question. Are we going to go and do what we want to do, or are we going to go and do what they're asking us to do? You go to build a house, and you're ready to build a house, and what they really want you to do is sit down and have a conversation with them. No, but I came to build a house. No. What do they need? I was with pastors in Mozambique and, uh, you know, teaching God's word and all that. And we, Ben and I, Ben, my son, was with me at the time. And we went to lunch. And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to put that away. And they wanted to talk to me and Ben about our relationship and how he came to Jesus as a pastor's kid. That's what they wanted. And so we have to serve people in the way. That's what I call serving with wet feet. So Jesus invites us to serve with wet feet. Serve in the way he served. Serve in a way that helps people, not that makes me feel good. Number two, Jesus invites us to, this, uh, uh, to surrender our assets and our liabilities to him. Thomas. Oh, my goodness. I love Thomas. Uh, uh, Thomas... Uh, after Jesus shares at the table and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Thomas says, but we don't know the way. Thomas was one of those guys, before he left on a vacation, he wanted to know every step of the trip. Before they back out of the driveway, where are we staying? How long are we staying? What roads are we taking? That was Thomas. And when Jesus said, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, what did Thomas say? We don't have any clue the way. And then here's a verse from uh, Jesus answered Thomas. He said, I'm the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. He's saying to um, Thomas, he's saying, hey, it's me. I'm the GPS for this trip. I'm the GPS. It's me, huh? I'm the way. See who I am. See how I live. Mimic that. That's discipleship. Mimic me. And um, if you're into science, and you love science and scientific method, Thomas is your guy. I love Thomas. Remember the other story of Thomas? Where Thomas is gone after Jesus is resurrected, and then Jesus comes to all the disciples except Thomas, and then the disciples tell Thomas, and Thomas says, um, uh, Oh, let's, I have a verse. Now, Thomas, also Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, science, 
Unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my fingers where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, unless I can experience, unless I can test this reality, I will not believe. I love Thomas. If you're into science, you should love Thomas. Because he said, let's do an experiment here. If Jesus is alive, let him come here and let me do this. So good. And so what did he do? Jesus came. And he said, Thomas, I get it. There are people like you. Go ahead, put your fingers in my hand. Go ahead, put your hand in my side. Go ahead. And what did Thomas do? He surrendered to Jesus. He said, oh, my Lord and my God. Apologetics is really important on college campuses and to people like Gene Gedlinski, to some degree, is like the idea of the defense of the faith. And apologetics was not important in the beginning. In the first 150 years, there's no record after Jesus' death and resurrection. There's no record at all of apologetics. You know why? Because people knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who saw Jesus when he was alive after his death. Great Grandpa Fred. He was there. He touched him. He saw him. So we're going to carry that through the family and believe. But eventually, 150 years out, people are, need to come to faith who don't know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who saw Jesus alive. And the first recorded person who uh, came to faith 150 years after... Um, Jesus came to, without knowing a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy, his name was Justin Martyr. And he came to faith through the reasoning of an unnamed Syrian Christian. And then what Justin Martyr did, he sent two letters to the Roman emperor, two letters of apology, defense of the faith. And that was so cool. We come to church today Really, because at the core, we want to receive something. We want to receive a blessing. We want to receive help worshiping God. We want to receive some teaching. We want to even receive a smile, a hug, a handshake, right? That's good. That's good. That, that's a good part of coming to church, and it's so good to be back in it. But there's also the day where we need to come to church and in our own private devotions and surrender like Thomas did. Surrender. Surrender both our assets and our liabilities. He invites us to live in this kind of way, surrender. And I know I've taught about this a lot, and those of you at Orchard for a while know, I open my hands like this, I pray like this, but I fight it, right? I want to I release my sin and my brokenness and my fears. I want to release my assets and my teaching and... Uh, I want my smiles, I want to release. But sometimes I hold on and I have to almost pry my fingers up to release it. And sometimes I can release part of it, but not all of it. And so I just encourage you because Jesus encourages you to live this different way, which is surrendered. And it's a great way to live. And the third thing, Jesus invites us. So he invites us to serve with wet feet. He invites us 
to surrender to him. And the last one is he invites us to stay connected. So you, you think you know about this. We teach about this all the time. Stay connected to Jesus. So I went out to my grapes this morning. Our grapes are going gangbusters. If you're into gardening, this has probably been a great year. We got little grapes on here. And like they're, they're like wild. They're all over. We're going to have a record crop of grapes. And we have three long rows of them. Little grapes here. You know what's true about this branch? It's dead. It's dead. Why is it dead? Because I clipped it. It got separated from the root. There's the root right there, and here's the branch. It got separated. It's dead. Jesus says, I'm the vine, the root, the... You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Dead. Now, I think there's a better metaphor today than the grape. But Jesus couldn't use this metaphor because it didn't exist. It would have sounded like the book of Revelation did. I think a better metaphor for being connected to Jesus is like the gas hose for the gas pump at a Casey's. I mean, the power flows through that thing, right? Now, he couldn't use that as his metaphor because cars didn't exist, combustion engines didn't exist. Nothing existed like that. But if you drive to Casey's, well, Emily drove to Casey's. So she was at Casey's. Uh, she gave me permission to tell this story right here and now. And uh, she said every time she hears it about herself, she actually called me to tell me this story. And then she said every time she thinks about it, she, and if you want to tease her about this story, it's perfectly okay. She'll just be laughing with you. She's at Casey's. She's pumping gas. Ayla's going in and out of Casey's trying to buy something. She gets distracted. Emily and Ayla get, Ayla's her daughter, get in the van and like take off towards university, but she has not unhooked the gas pump. It's still in her car. It pulls right off the pump. One of the volunteers of this church runs over. She's got her blinker on. She's ready to turn on to university, and she's going, Emmy, Emmy, you pulled the gas hose off. It took her a minute to get it. She backs up. She goes, and she lays it by the pump. She goes into Casey's, and there's two long lines at the registers. And she's going, she could tell right away which ones had seen this. <laughs> they were trying not to laugh, but they were laughing. She stood in line and finally gets to the counter, and she's explaining to this kid, like, well, the hose, I pulled it off. It's like gone. It's unconnected. It's like this. What's going to happen? He goes, no problem. They're made for this situation. You take the hose. It has a shutoff valve. You simply push it back on. Good as new. That's why it's a good metaphor for staying connected to Jesus. Better than this. Because it was built to reconnect. And God's waiting for those of us who have gotten unconnected to him 
to simply go and pick up the hose and connect again and again and again and again. So if you feel unconnected to Christ this morning, be a gas pump hose. Just go reconnect, right? And when we're connected, what's flowing through the hose is fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? That's what's flowing through. So if you don't feel that in your life, go shove the hose back on the pump. Who is Jesus? Now, here's the deal. Jesus invites us to serve with wet feet, to surrender our assets and our liabilities, and to stay connected to him. And when we do it, our lives and the church, which the church is simply the accumulation of our lives, is a beautiful thing. When we accept his invitation to live this way, serve, surrender, stay connected, the hungry get fed. Women in poor countries who don't have the assets to start a business get the assets to start a business. Hospitals get started. Universities get started. It's amazing. Almost all of the bedrock universities in our nation were started by Christians. You know, the first people who taught others how to read were Christians because they wanted to be able to read the Bible. When we're following the invitation of Jesus, beautiful things happen in this world because of what we can do together. The hungry are fed. The uneducated can be educated. And the world can experience us filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Let's pray. Father God, uh, you are amazing. And you are delighted in us. And as we follow Christ, after encountering him, uh, you provide us with power. And Father, we are just grateful for you. We are just grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us so deeply. Even though we're broken, even though we're sinful, even though we have bad attitudes many days, but you're just love like that constant, constant love, lover of our souls. Thank you. And uh, Father, uh, help us continue to be reminded of who Jesus was and what he invites us into. In his name we pray, amen.